if you're trying to start a really scale onboarding is listen to the onboarders. They're the ones that are in the trenches. They know what is working, what isn't working. And at the end of the day, their morale and how they feel in their day-to-day work is going to show to the customer. So if they're doing the same task where they know I don't like doing this and you can tell and they're not going to be happy doing it, the customer's going to know. So I think that's one of the things is we need as a team weekly where we have a workshop and say, hey, what's working, what's not? What do we want to try? My previous leader here at Sonoso had a, a saying of let's get weird, of let's try something new. Let's think outside the box. And if it doesn't work, let's figure out what didn't go well, what went well, and then continue to change it as we go. So I think really empowering the onboarders themselves to have a lot of say into what the team can be doing moving forward. Hello, and welcome to Happy Customers, the show where we're exploring what people inside some of the world's top companies are really doing every day to go beyond the metrics and numbers on the balance sheet, collaborate across their entire organization, and truly invest in making their customers successful. In this episode, the first in a new weekly segment on onboarding operations, we're talking to Jerry Henry to uncover the lessons he and his team have learned during the rapid growth of Sendoso. I'm Stuart Balkum, and I'm excited you're here. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's get into the conversation. So I'm Director of Professional Services and Onboarding here at Sonoso. So I oversee our Solution Architects team, Professional Services, and then our onboarding team. Um, And what I really think onboarding to me, what it means, especially here at Sendoso, is really being the first face of a new customer and really building that trust on why they went with a big business decision to bring on a new software, as there are so many softwares out there in the world, including competitors we have. So really being that trusted advisor, getting them up and running. And more importantly, as well, if there are any issues or any things that come up, being that kind of voice of reason or ways to alleviate that frustration at the start of a relationship with a new customer. Love it. So we were just chatting before we hit record that the onboarding team and the CX org is growing pretty rapidly at Sendoso. How does onboarding fit in the sort of customer experience for a customer? Like, does everybody talk to the onboarding team? Where do you fit in in their journey from first touch with the company to getting in a conversation with onboarding? Yeah, so all of our new customers go through a onboarding journey. Um, so we've broken up into segments. So we have our SMB team, our mid-market team, and then an enterprise team. The overall gist of onboarding is the same, really getting a new customer up and running in the platform, helping set up any integrations, uh, get any items that they want to send uh, ordered, things like that to our warehouses across the world. Really, the only difference by segment is there's a lot of more moving parts as we go more up market. So the time frame within onboarding fluctuates. So with our SMB space, we try to get customers done within 30 to 40 days mid-market 45 to 60, and then enterprise 75 to 90 days, depending how large they are. Gotcha. And you know, time to value is always a thing that people talk about in onboarding and those timeframes totally make sense that they are different for different segments. How much does the experience within that time period change with, for a segment versus it just being sort of a factor of they are a more complex business, there is more stuff on their side. How do you sort of balance that? Ideal scenario, everybody's seeing value on day one, right? But that's not the case. Very true. And I I wish everyone saw value day one and became happy campers right away. Really where I think the difference is, is more up market. There are more champions or there's more people that need to be involved to get things set up. So that's where we'll see a little slower time to value where it's really setting up the architecture of what do they want to send? Who's going to be using it? 
Whereas I see more in the SMB space, the person we're working with is also primarily the marketer who's doing a little bit of everything. So they have more inclination or ability to say, all right, I want to do this. Let's do it now. Whereas in the enterprise space or some of our commercial mid-market, it's, hey, we want to send this, but I need to make sure our bribery team's okay with it. I need to make sure our sales leadership's okay with it, our marketing and VPs, things like that, where there's some checkboxes that need to be done. So that's where we'll see a little bit slower time to value of actually getting things out the door. In the larger kind of customer space, whereas SMB, we've had customers sign up and the next day they've sent 200 things out, where it's a lot more visibility internally with who we're working with. Yeah, that totally makes sense. The sign-off process gets a little more complex as you talk to larger orgs and more complex orgs. So one thing that I'm always really curious about and I think is uh, is such a huge value add of having a human in the loop in onboarding. And you sort of mentioned this already. There's a ton of competitors out there. There's It's a big business decision to onboard a new tool, a new piece of software. How do you think about the gap between, or is there a gap between what the software itself does and what customers are trying to accomplish? Like how much is there... Is that being bridged in onboarding? How much strategic work is there in the onboarding process? Yeah. So we break our onboarding into four principles or methodologies. And within it depends, or, and it, to kind of backtrack, it depends on the, the size of the company again. But we really focus on kind of that discovery in the first kind of initial weeks where we really try to bridge that gap between functionality, what they actually expect out of Sonoso versus what we can actually deliver in onboarding. So once we've identified kind of what are their key metrics, why did they go with Sendoso? We then kind of tailor what their onboarding experience is going to be from there. Especially with Sendoso, we're a gifting platform. You can send anything from branded whiskey to e-gifts to a branded swag item. So it also really depends on what they want to send to achieve those goals. And then that's where once we've identified their discovery, what they want to get out of things, we then tailor that onboarding experience and then we put them into kind of the activation stage where we then start doing some of those test sends, whether it's internal or small group of ones so they could see what the flow looks like and then we'd scale it from there. Gotcha. So that kind of gets into a little bit of, of one of the big ideas that I want to explore with you is how I'm curious to hear how this has shifted or is shifting as you're, you mentioned sort of being looking to triple the size of the onboarding team in the next year. How do you go about designing that onboarding program and like making sure that the onboarding program that you have in place today is the one that meeting the needs both today, but also looking to the future as well. Yeah, that's a great question. And we definitely have changed our onboarding process numerous times more than my team probably prefers, but we leverage a few things. So we use a learning management platform and we call it Sonosa University. That is a lot of self-training We've recently brought on senior manager, Kelly, who runs our customer education team. And she's starting to look into analytics and seeing what are these courses are being taken? When do they drop off? So from there, we can notice, all right, these things aren't really being valued or aren't taking advantage of. So maybe we need to tweak some of this to meet where our customers are and what they need. We also rely heavily on data. So we use Tableau, we use Salesforce onboarding records where we keep track of days in a certain stage in onboarding. So we have like kickoff, configuration, integration, enablement, things like that. So we can see, are we noticing one stage is taking longer than the other? Are we losing momentum during that stage that's taking longer? And then at the end of onboarding, uh, once it's marked complete, we send a survey out, kind of captured some CSAP from our customers. And we have a thing, what would you recommend is different? And what did you really enjoy? We then have a Salesforce report. We review it every Thursday with our onboarding managers and my boss. 
our BPCS anger, where we start going through, right? We've noticed that this is a common trend where we're missing this, or maybe we didn't have enough content that we leave as takeaways, things like that. And then we use that to kind of change how we're doing things moving forward. Gotcha. So interesting. So you mentioned Salesforce is a tool where you're sort of running reports and you have Tableau as well. What are the tools that your team are living in day to day during the onboarding process? Like how are you managing at the customer level? Where is somebody in this process? What is the thing that they have to do next? Yeah. So we're currently evaluating true project management platforms so we can live there and see a lot more metrics. But currently our team lives and dies by Salesforce. So we've created a new object on the account level. That's an onboarding record. It auto-populates a lot of stuff on the opportunity. So what plan do they have? How many user seats? What departments are we working with? And then in there, we have different timestamps of, right, when did you guys have this call with them? The kickoff call, configuration. Uh, There's a spot that tracks any bugs or tickets, any milestones that we're looking for. How much have they been spending on gifts? Things like that, that are leading indicators to potential risk and churn, things like that. So I'd say they probably live the most in Salesforce. We also leverage the G Suite. So we share like a kickoff deck with a new customer where we go through what to expect and label what are the metrics that they're tracking. And then we have a fun graduation call once onboarding is done where we bring in their CSM and kind of go through memory lane of here's everything we accomplished in onboarding. So the CSM can take over with the smooth transitions and making the customer kind of repeat everything. Gotcha. So the onboarding team is working with the customer specifically during that onboarding period, then there's sort of this handoff to their ongoing CSM, everything after that point. Exactly. So you mentioned uh, a couple of things, like there's a deck in there, there's you're using G Suite to share things with the customer. What does the customer see? And like, what does their journey through onboarding look like? How are they talking to humans all the time? Are they, you mentioned the university, that's sort of a self-serve place that they are, they are going like, what does it look like from the customer side? Yeah, great question. So as soon as an opportunity goes close one, we automate sending like a welcome to Sendoso. So here's your onboarding checklist prior to onboarding. Within they say, hey, here are the seven things that you should know ahead of time. What is your budget? Who's going to be using it? Things like that. And then the account executive will introduce the onboarder to our customer. Within there, we use Groove for our CX emails. So we have templates of, hey, here's super excited. Here's our kickoff information. Here's a link to my calendar through Calendly. Please book time for our one hour meeting. That's where we do the kickoff. We share our template for onboarding journey where we go through those discovery stages. Once that's been completed, we use our next template. All right, here's going to be our next call. Here's what's to be covered. And then we kind of keep going through each of those stages really with four main stages. So the customer really works with that onboarding strategist. And then we'll also work with a solution architect within onboarding uh, where we'll get all their integrations set up, up and running, make sure everything looks right. And those are kind of the main interactions that a customer have. I'd say probably mid-markets are bread and butter. We probably will have four or five overall calls that are 45 minutes to an hour each. Gotcha. And those temp- that sort of onboarding journey template is in the email that you're sending through Groove. Is that correct? And then you're sort of including like any additional materials or links to the university or all that kind of stuff is within those, exactly. those emails. Yeah, so we have two parts of our Sinusa University. We have a catch-all that has all of our lessons, all of our trainings, and then we have onboarding specific. That's right. Here's the courses we recommend post our kickoff call, post our configuration call. And then Kelly, who had mentioned is new to Sinusa, who's our senior manager of customer education, set up like a Salesforce sync. So we can also start pushing into the onboarding record. Here are the courses that have been taken. Here's who's taking it. 
so we can start identifying who are our champions that are really self-learning and maybe who are the ones that aren't doing anything that might need their hand held a little bit more. Gotcha. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually, was like, how many folks on the customer side are typically in this sort of onboarding process, especially as you move to mid-market and the uh, the enterprise level, like you mentioned already, there's potentially decision makers or other people who need buy Who is involved and like, at what point do you typically think about when to bring in the right person to make progress? Yeah, I'd say on average, we probably have three to six main point of contacts that we work with in kind of the mid-market enterprise space for SMB, it's normally one or two. Normally, it's a form of a marketing or sales ops person that's helping with integration, some of the dashboards, ROI tracking. We'll normally work with like a sales enablement person on how do we want to roll this out to your sales team or your individual users. And then we'll have most times a marketing member who's going to be leveraging Sonosa for a lot of their marketing activities, things like that. And we really focus on working with them for the first kind of two to three weeks and setting up everything. And then what we'll do is once we know what they're going to be sending, how they're sending it, what integrations, we'll then host like an end user enablement training session. So we did one yesterday where we had 1,100 people on it that were all going to be the sales reps leveraging Sendoso, where we went through, hey, here's what we've done with your team. You guys are able to send an Amazon send, an e-gift, some swag. These are those options. Here's how you're going to do it. So we really don't try to bring any end users in until everything's set up. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's very much a, you've sort of already gone through the why and the the sort of high level, like strategically, this is how we're going to deploy this. And then it's more of a, how you actually do this at the end user level. Exactly. And what alerts you're going to get. And we used to try to bring the the end users in earlier. And then there's just a lot of questions. It's like, oh, we haven't set that up yet, or that's not an option. So we found it's better once we have everything ironed out and go through with our main point of contact, right? Here's the flow of how the sales training is going to go. What do you want to see? What don't you want to see? Things like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I want to hop back to something you mentioned. You mentioned that everything is, and you're piping more data into Salesforce as sort of the central place to manage and see the progress and see the pipeline. And then you have this review meeting. How do you measure the impact of onboarding? Like what's the metric that you in your role look at is like, we are getting better at this. This is a thing that we report to the business as the impact of what we're doing. Yeah, great question. So we have three main things that we track and measure against. So the first one's time to complete, which I know you'd mentioned earlier, the time to value. So I think those tie in together. If we're seeing an onboarding and SMBs taking 160 days, they're probably not going to get the value that they should be seeing. So we really track from the moment we have our first call to our graduation call, what is that time to complete? The second one we go off of is also CSAT score. So really making sure are we having happy customers and are we really listening to their feedback? Myself and our VP, if we get a detractor, we personally reach out and try to identify what did we do that was wrong? Was it platform expectations? Was it who you worked with? Things like that. And then the third one that we track is account balance. So with Sendoso, we are a sending platform. So you have to load funds into the platform to be able to ship things, send e-gifts out, bottles of whiskey, wine, things like that. So we track to see how much money are they putting into the platform, which is showing their intent to send. So our goal there is anywhere from 10 to 15% of their SaaS contract for them to load within the first 90 days. Interesting. So that's really sort of an ROI type measure for them. Like, are they actually getting the value that they're paying for? Are there specific things that you would do or like specific thresholds that you look at is like, oh, this is some, you mentioned the the sort of percentage there. Like, what would you do if somebody was below that threshold? Like, do you have sort of a, an action plan or like, how, how do you think about making sure that everybody is happy and successful? Yeah. So we've 
continue to evolve of looking at our churn analysis. I think that's one thing where we really focus on why did we lose customers? And then from there, each department reverse engineers goals to achieve what we could prevent. So there are some things we have in place. So if you notice, all right, you're two months in, you haven't spent anything yet. We might reach out and say, hey, is there a budget reason? Are you frozen on budget? Have you not allocated it? We know that it's a heavy sales user. We'll actually say, hey, we'll pilot. We'll give you $1,000 to go ahead and do sends now. So their team starts seeing success. And all of a sudden, when you have success, budget magically shows up. Right. <laughs> so those are some of the ones that we'll do. Um, we'll also try to reach out and saying, hey, I know you guys signed with Sonosa to maybe help your demand gen team. But do you guys do webinars and events that we can also show you different use cases? So we try to then show them different options uh, that Sendoso can do that maybe wasn't an original use case that they wanted to then try to get them to start seeing some of those successes and wins. Gotcha. I love it. So you mentioned here that you look at this sort of churn analysis and then you sort of backtrack or reverse engineer. How can other teams or how can everybody sort of help prevent those failure modes? How do you work? You mentioned sort of on the graduation of onboarding, you're handing off to a CSM and you obviously have sales pre-onboarding or sort of the entry point into onboarding. How do you as an onboarding team collaborate with those other functions or other stages in the journey to make sure that like you sort of avoid the, this is a handoff, this is clearly a handoff, uh, there's sort of a, a gap in between. Yeah. So we have from the sales process an intake form or an intake section in an opportunity that a sales rep has to fill out the questions before they can close an opportunity. So they literally have to put in like, what are the teams? What are their use cases? Do they have a budget defined? Have they done direct mail previously? A lot of things that we found were leading indicators that if they were no's, we had a harder time in onboarding. So we try to get ahead of those. So that's kind of where we get a lot of that initial information. And then same thing with our onboarding record. We just try to be as detailed as we can for the CSM. So they're aware of any potential hangups, hiccups. Um, Do we have any people who are maybe not seeing the success that we need to warm up and send them things, things like that, to kind of kind of bridge the gap between pre-sales, post-sales, and then end of onboarding. I love how it's so defined and a requirement internally to move on to the next part of the journey. Yeah, we initially had tried like a Google Doc that had these questions and we said, hey, sales guy, please go ahead and fill this out. And we just noticed it worked for about a week and then no one did anymore. But as a salesperson, if you know you have to answer these questions to, to close the deal, you're going to. So we kind of did a little bit of voluntold to get this information. Up. <laughs> I love it. What is something that you do that uh, to that point of learning and changing and updating a process? What is something that you have found that either you started, you, you implemented to start with, and then you changed or, or something that used to work and now just doesn't? And you've had to sort of rebuild that as a part of your onboarding. Yeah, I think one thing that used to work that doesn't work so much now was getting everyone in the same room together, obviously with COVID. uh, I know you and I are both working from home. So I think that was one big shift when we had originally started onboarding was we would send everyone lunch for one big onboarding kickoff. And we'd have that. Well, obviously now everyone working from home, that's not as feasible. So I think really shifting to branching out unique calls based on, all right, your marketing, let's focus on marketing on this call instead of one big call that we had where we try to touch marketing sales, different things that some things got lost. So I think that's something that used to work that we've just had to shift with current events. And I think the second one that didn't work so well that I think works now too is true segmentation. We used to kind of just round robin accounts to the onboarding team where they might have an SMB mid-market enterprise 
but those conversations are so different. So we've really specialized each of our segments where they really know the common pain points for company sizes, uh, whatever that size is, uh, broken up by, right? I know your sales team here, what we see working in your space. So we've really fine-tuned and specialized uh, via segmentation. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what's something that you think that Sendoso does particularly well in the online? Like, what is the thing that if you're giving advice to somebody else in a a similar role as you, or if you're working at a, you're implementing a new onboarding program, like what's the one thing that you would be like, I have to do that because that's a thing that is standout at Sendoso? Yeah, I think one's very specialized just to Sendoso where we really practice what we preach. So we make sure that we send our new customers things and we show them different use cases by actually doing it. But I think as a whole, if you're trying to start a really scale onboarding is listen to the onboarders. They're the ones that are in the trenches. They know what is working, what isn't working. And at the end of the day, their morale and how they feel in their day-to-day work is going to show to the customer. So if they're doing the same tasks where they know I don't like doing this and you could tell and they're not going to be happy doing it, the customer is going to know. So I think that's one of the things is we meet as a team weekly where we have a workshop and say, hey, what's working? What's not? What do we want to try? My previous leader here at Sonoso had a, a saying of let's get weird, of let's try something new. Let's think outside the box. And if it doesn't work, let's figure out what didn't go well, what went well, and then continue to kind of change it as we go. So I think really empowering the onboarders themselves to have a lot of say into what the team is going to be doing moving forward. Gotcha. Sort of along with that, how do you document the standard pathway through onboarding? Is that a documented thing that you're sort of updating experiments in a document somewhere? How does your team know this is the way that for this segment, we should sort of approach the process? Yeah, so we have a deck that we worked on as a team uh, during like our OKR planning where we went through and said, all right, what is valuable and important in onboarding and start documenting a lot of that? And what do we do today that isn't so valuable and what can we help automate? So once we had that in place, it became kind of like our golden truth of onboarding. And then we've built like 30, 60, 90 uh, day game plans for new hires. And their first kind of two weeks is really going through that deck of here's what we're doing. And then as we revamp, we break into kind of first half, second half of the year, we go through, right, based off of the data from the last six months or how are things going, do we still think these are the right steps? Is this the right materials we're sending? Do we need to change any of this out? If we need to make changes, we make changes. Everyone has access to that document, so they see any of the live changes in real time. Gotcha. I love it. Sort of tied to, to that, you mentioned sort of 30, 60, 90-day plan for new hires. We already talked about how you're looking to triple the team in 2022. What is top of mind for you when it comes to hiring? A, finding people who are going to be a good fit at Sendoso, but also ramping up that team. Like That's a pretty significant jump in team size. What's top of mind for you on the hiring front? Yeah, that's a, a great question. As yeah, we're looking to yeah go from uh, 12 onboarders to 27 by the end of this year. So a big increase. I think one the the skill set we're looking for honestly is coachability and people who have done it in the past, whether it's direct onboarding or just customer facing. But we really pride ourselves on kind of who you are as a person. I know that a 30 minute interview you can't really see someone's work, but it's more like how would you fit with the team. Um, I had chatted with someone who, who brought up, would you have a beer with this person after work? So that's kind of what we look like or look at of it's someone that you would enjoy hanging out with outside of work. And then from there, really identifying, do they know marketing? Do they know sales? What is kind of their industry knowledge is kind of the second factor. And then the third one is really 
based on multitasking. How do you prioritize? Are you someone that can stay organized? Things like that are kind of the three things I look for. And then as far as ramping up, I want to say we have it pretty dialed in now. Uh, we've recently brought on a, a handful of people who are up and running in about 30 days. So we kind of go through, all right, here are the things that you need to know about Sendoso. Here's what you need to know about our industries, our personas, the talk tracks, our integrations. And then we have a onboarding buddy hmm. that you have that kind of shadows your calls. You shadow their calls um, to really get you kind of caught up to speed on the conversations we have. And then we have one mock call as your graduation of a new employee where we put you through the ringer where the rest of the team is a customer and we have you walk through what you do with the customers and we grill each other. We ask questions that are we know we're going to stump them, but something that they should know. How do they handle those objections? Things like that. I love it. So there's obviously a lot of stuff that's happening in your world. Like you have your scaling the team pretty rapidly. There's, there's different segments that you're working with. If you had a magic wand, what is the one onboarding problem or one onboarding challenge that your team faces that you would just wipe away and just get rid of? Oh, man. Uh, magic wand. I think one is just in today's times, everyone's so busy. So I think if I could have people show up to all their scheduled calls and things like that, where we don't have to figure out, oh, what was missed? Or, hey, this one person couldn't join our configuration call, but now we need to catch them up to speed. So now we're really having two configuration calls. Mm. So I think just people's bandwidth, something I would change. And then I think to... I know it's cliche and everyone talks about it, but COVID coming back from the holidays, we've had so many customers, unfortunately, come down with COVID or things like that, where a lot of things have just been paused or derailed. So then we have kind of that fear of losing momentum, things like that. Gotcha. I mean, that's a good way to use a magic wand, right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> Wipe out a pandemic. Cool. Hopefully this has been fun and not too, uh, too much of a, a grilling for you. And then actually final question for you. Who would you want to hear from? Or like, what are the companies that you look to, who you think are sort of doing onboarding well? And who would you want to hear from, hear about their process for scaling onboarding? Yeah, I think from just my experience with other partners we've worked with and companies, I think Marketo would be very interesting to me. They have a pretty complex platform and a lot of things they can do. And there's so many different use cases there that if I can figure out how they simplify their onboarding and get people caught up to speed pretty quick would be neat. And then I would probably say Salesforce, just because they do it so much. I'd love to see how they fine tune things. What are some of their pains that they've gone through? And then I think companies who have recently gone IPO, I'm always curious on kind of how they made that big shift from being a private company to a public company. Uh, how's that changed onboarding? Um, and obviously, if you're going public, you've done some right things. Um, so also trying to see how they identify kind of some of their failures and move forward and be more successful. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. Of course. Thanks so much to Jerry for a fantastic conversation. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode. Number one, build short feedback loops driven by data. Jerry and his team are constantly looking at the progress of customers during onboarding and measuring their satisfaction with the experience. This data is then reviewed weekly with both the onboarding team itself and CX leadership to quickly identify and implement improvements. Number two, be intentional about what you want customers to achieve during onboarding and get creative to help them get there. If a customer is not adopting the product as expected, the Sendoso team will send items themselves so that customers can experience the value of the product to their own customers. 
or they'll preload their account so they can start sending before they have to go through a long and arduous budget approval process. Number three, invest in the experience of everyone who interacts with customers. In onboarding, employee success really is customer success. And ensuring that everyone is actively involved in providing feedback and making changes to processes helps them feel happier and ultimately be more successful. In our next episode, I'll be chatting with Donna Weather, author of the best-selling book, Onboarding Matters, about the components of a successful onboarding plan and some common misconceptions she seems to fall prey to as they design their own onboarding programs. Thanks for listening.